0: I'm Amanda Solar, creator and founder of SoulfulLiving.com and this podcast, Soulful Connections. I get to connect you with people who are building their richest, fullest, most meaningful lives. So thanks for joining me and let's connect. connect. So I am so excited because today I have Heidi Rue, Leslie Richards, and they have embarked on something that is really special and meaningful and important. And so first of all, welcome. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for (laughs) for having
1: us.
0: (laughs) Now that this is in progress, I'll warn you that I sometimes ask you things that are unrelated to why you're here, so, <laughs> but I feel that I have you trapped, so I can do that. Exactly um, fine. <laughs> so, um, fine. So, do you want to start with what exactly is it that you're doing, first and foremost? What is your role, and where are you sitting? Can you share that?
2: So, why don't I start by, we're sitting in the Office of Immigrant Rights Action, um, which is a nonprofit that was started five years ago in response to ICE raids in the Doylestown community, particularly in the borough. Um, And our goal and our focus is to provide support to newly arrived and long term residents Um, of our communities who are threatened with deportation. Um, There's a lot in between that starting date and now, but what we're super excited about is that we have over time grown to the point where we have um, rented an office, incorporated as a nonprofit, and we are super excited about the fact that Heidi joined our team this week in the role of executive director. She is our first paid executive director.
1: It's very, very exciting. Yeah. And our organization is now immigrant led. Yep. Our staff is fully bilingual and we are just very eager to continue our work aligned with our mission and just kind of grow take those next steps now that we're five years old (laughs) yeah is it five years so so
0: so you're the executive director Heidi right I am and then Leslie
2: you said our who is the hour so um I'm the I'm the board chair we have a board of I think we're nine people now on the board um but we have a we have a board of nine people now. Um, we originally had a seven person board, so I, I was one of the founding members on the board. I'm still the board chair. Um we still have a number of our founding members involved in the board and then, you know, some some new members, which is exciting too. some immigration attorneys, um, people with experience in the nonprofit space. Um, so uh, the strategic plan that the board put together had the goal of hiring, a paid executive director and being immigrant led. So it feels like this week is a really big milestone having Heidi come on board.
0: That's phenomenal. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thank, you. Um, thank you. So you talked about what led this is or what drove this was ice were ice rays that were happening in our community. And I can hear just my imaginary crowd in my head, Would say, well, an ice raid, does that mean that ice was coming in and taking people who were doing something nefarious and um, removing them from the community? Or, you know, why did that cause you some consternation?
2: Um, So the first one was um, employees of two local food establishments. And they were long-term employees and sort of beloved members of that work community. One of the owners said he thought of them as as part of his family, as his sons. Um, I think that they had worked for him for over five and 10 years, respectively. So not people who um, had caused a problem in the community. In fact, people that the community depended on what happened in early 2017 is the focus of ICE enforcement moved to the interior of the country and it also stopped focusing on people who had um, violent criminal history and focused on people who were simply here without documentation. So, because that was the way that the the administration at that time could boost their numbers. They were kind of the easy people to um, identify and and deport and they could really say that they were making a lot of progress in removing undocumented people, but they weren't actually removing those people who were causing issues in the community. And The great thing about
1: our community and our allies is that they banded together, crowdsourced some funds, and were able to provide these detainees with legal representation. And that's something we still do to this day. So we have a legal defense fund um, that has been, I mean, fully funded by community members and allies, right? Neighbors employers, friends of um, of our immigrant community. And um, that allows us to help offset some of the costs because it can get very pricey. Um, not just to have, um, you know, to have a, a legal representation and an attorney is, is quite costly, but is also something that um, a lot of people end up either representing themselves or, you know, not really seeking the right information. And we want to be able to assist in in having, you know, letting people have their day in court
2: with support. Right. right. Yeah. There's a there are two factors there. One um, and Heidi sort of alluded to it. It's a it's a population that's easy to prey on. So there are um, there are attorneys out there who are less than ethical in telling somebody, "Yes, I can resolve your case," you know, and they'll collect significant fees for doing it, knowing full well that this person doesn't have recourse in our immigration system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other is that. Um, part of the reason we established the Legal Defense Fund was to make sure that when people are detained, they get contact with an attorney very quickly. Because if they're in an expedited removal process, one of the ways to slow that down is to get legal representation. So we were, um, and still do in some cases, moving people through the system very quickly Um, and not always with full due process. And one of the ways to ensure that somebody, as Heidi says, has their day in court is to make sure that they get representation early, really within 24 hours of being detained.
0: Yeah. So Heidi, what were you doing prior to
1: becoming the executive director? So I've been volunteering with Immigrant Rights Action um, for about three years now. Um, and I helped as a part time staff member. And um, so this was kind of the next natural step. Yeah. I'm familiar with the organization and what we do and our goals and our missions. And um, it's just aligns so seamlessly with my personal um, values that it's just it was it, almost like serendipitous. Yeah. Yeah. And what it's Heidi's not saying,
2: what Heidi's not saying, is that she has tremendous respect within the immigrant community. She represents us beautifully, um, and she's just really she's a she's got a background in nonprofit leadership. So there's so many stars that aligned mm-hmm. that we feel really lucky. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah,
1: And knowing firsthand, I think the immigrant experience (laughs) and having lived it just allows me to fully empathize and understand, you know, I was a child when I came over, but those experiences have all have shaped me into who I am today. So this is definitely like immigrant rights is is my issue. Yes. Okay, so you are an immigrant yourself. I am, so I'm from El Salvador um, and Spanish was my first language. Um, I came to the States at a young age, but not, uh, and I grew up in Washington, DC. Wonderful experience. You know, I, I am, my father is still in El Salvador. So I do go back as often as I can to see my family. And my mom is here. My mom remarried. She married a Puerto Rican. Ah, <laughs> I think you know that's what that's choice. like. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been it's been wonderful to walk in those worlds, in all worlds, and just mm-hmm. kind of really be able to connect with um, with those we serve. He's a great person. Right. I mean, let's face
0: it, you know, we're all immigrants. It's just about how long ago, I guess, our people came here, or most of us. Um, You alluded to the fact that this job aligns with your values. And one of the things, and one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is because, you know, we all, we have this vision of what success looks like here in America, I can only speak for America because I live here. And, you know, as I've gone through life, I've learned that there are a lot of pieces that make what could be described as a successful life. And I don't think either of you had to do this, especially, you know, when you initiated it, what kind of, um, what does it do for you? I get what you do for it, but I wonder what does it do for you? Why do it? Why take the time?
1: Well, I can say that having grown up in Washington DC, with a, which is a very transient um, city where people come to climb that ladder and very type A personalities, and being exposed to that and moving away to Flagstaff, Arizona, which is where I went to graduate school, I, I learned there was another way to live. Hmm. And being in a mountain town with a, a slower pace really made me realize that it's not about um, you know the attainment of a degree or a position or, you know, monetary and financial gains. It's really about what fills your soul. And this fills my soul. Like this work is so rewarding. Um, It's very, it can be emotional. um, And that's why we have a group, that's why we need our network, right?
0: Yes. Um,
1: Just like, I think one of my goals when I meet um, an immigrant that's either new to the community or that has been here for some time is to make sure that they have a network of community resources, of allies, of peers um, that can be that support and fulfill their soul. Because that's what I get from my community, from my support, um, you know, from my network. So, I mean, doing this work is fulfilling on so many levels, um, but in general, outside of just the work, um, doing, volunteering being just kind to each other just like smiling at someone walking down the street that's the stuff that really fills me personally yeah uh, nice. you know fills my bucket there's a really great book about bucket filling that Love that, my, book. <laughs> that my first grader reads and um and I just I think that's what we are here to do and that's what we do for each other is fill each other's buckets what about you
2: what fills <laughs> your soul leslie well i i will say that for me it was a little more excuse me a little more therapeutic um you know i think that i i believe in the ideals of a democracy um and i believe in the inherent dignity of all people um i believe in distributed power, a power that doesn't rest in a few individuals. And, um, you know, when 2017 hit, I saw a lot of that at risk and immigrant rights action was a way for me to not feel, um, to not feel insignificant in that conversation, it was a way for me to feel like I could actually do something. I could have an actual impact on the life of somebody else. And as much as writing to my Senator or showing up at an event or donating money to causes and values that I believe in, all of those things didn't fill my soul. They didn't make me feel like I was doing everything that I could to create the world that I want my kids to grow up in. To create the world that I want my neighbors to be able to live in. You know, the 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 young men who got apprehended in Doylestown, I live in the borough, they pass my house every day on their way to work. I know them by face, I know them by name, we talk, they're my neighbors. And they were <clears throat> they were somebody's son. Right? The, and yes. these are young yes. people, these guys were young, you know. Some of these guys guys were very young. They came here at, at at a young age and assumed tremendous responsibility like for a younger sibling who was going to west for example um sending money home i mean i looked at those young men mostly all men actually and thought if my kids have that resilience and that grit i will be very proud of them (laughs) and and so almost in solidarity with a mom several borders away (laughs) I think that was part of it for me too like just if it were my kid in that situation I would want somebody to come alongside them I would want somebody to say you're not alone in this um and we see you we see you we see who you are we see that you we see that you have undergone tremendous risk to be here that you've done it for the right reasons, that you're contributing, that you're supporting people who you love and care about. You're a decent human being and you shouldn't be treated as something other than that. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really powerful, Leslie.
0: Um, yeah, you know, you, what you're making me think too and what you're reminding me of is there's just so much fear. Uh, and you say men and it is, you know, there's so much fear around men, especially men of color. It just, yes. you know, yes. and when you, that, that's just an issue in, in our community, mm-hmm. um, because people need to know more people of color. And if you know people of all types, you're going to, you know, calm down <laughs> and maybe not be quite so, um, reactive, careful. Yeah. Um, so you were talking about filling your soul. And I know I'll start with Leslie because I know you're also an artist. (laughs) And I just wonder what role does that play in your life, the importance of art? I mean, you are a busy professional. You are a mom with your own family. This is immigrant rights is something you've been working on diligently and yet you also make time for art. So can you explain what that's
2: about? you um so making art is where i go to recharge so that's where um i don't talk to people i don't (laughs) i don't um i don't um you know i wear my sloppy clothes i spend eight hours without seeing another human being and just being in my studio and um, I think it's where I, um, it, it's really, for me, it's not, it's not a question of whether or not I can do it. It's just so fundamental to what I need to sustain myself in all these other activities that if I go for too long without getting studio time, I can see the change in my level of patience in my ability to be I mean, I think we all want to approach our world with some measure of um, insight and kindness and wisdom and thoughtfulness and all of those things. And I can't, I can't do that if I don't get that time to recharge. So for me, it's being in my studio, you know, I mean, for other people, it might be going for a seven mile run, or it might be going to church, or it might be going to any number, whatever it is for you. I think it's just important to figure out what how you get recharged so that when you walk into the world, you do it in a way that's productive. Have you always been an artist? I mean, were you artistic yeah. as a child? Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, for me, it was the thing that I knew was core to my identity from the beginning. Um, it's just, you know, you, as an artist in our society, you have to develop a lot of other skill sets because it's not something that we, um that we reward financially so yeah so you yeah. learn to function in the world in other ways too
0: which is so crazy to me because we love it so much and it is everything to us it is the thing that lives beyond like you know a hedge fund or something you know it's the thing right. that we right. treasure and talk about this was you know in 1200 look what happened and yeah. and yet we don't really financially it's perplexing um but there you have it we there you have created it. it yep yep <laughs> Um, and so Heidi, this is my crazy thing that I know about you. <laughs> so I know you have a duck.
1: <laughs> so I have four ducks, I have four ducks, <laughs> and they are, you know, they're my outlet, kind yeah. of like Leslie talked about recharging and kind of just being introspective and connecting with yourself. And um, that's how i i love spending time with my ducks there is some effort they require yeah. there's a lot of um you know ducks are messy ducks yeah. are they're fun they have very large personalities each one is like that different so the the great thing is though that i do have three fresh eggs waiting for me every morning and it was so novel to like walk outside and get my breakfast <laughs> it was just I such it. It, there was so much joy in that and after so many days of that I'm like I can't eat another duck egg yeah. so now <laughs> so now I get to share them with friends neighbors sometimes I just randomly give. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and they're quite delicious, by the way, because our hemp family has been on the receiving end of the ducks.
0: Is there like a difference
1: between so, duck eggs and chicken oh, eggs? Yes. And I'll have to get you some so you can try them. Um, so they are larger in size. They have um more protein, they're a little thicker and richer. Huh. Um, the great thing about them is they're preferred by Bakers oh. because the ratio is the same in um in baking. You use one duck egg to one chicken egg. But they make everything extra fluffy and extra moist. Oh my goodness. So they're wow. yeah, they're they're great. I mean, I'll just, you know, make an omelet and and life is so good. So how
0: did you come by ducks like? You know, most people get a dog or a cat (laughs) or a fish.
1: (laughs) So, um, so during the pandemic, um, my son was starting kindergarten and he's not a virtual learner. Mm. So I teamed up with a couple other moms and we started a school. We started a pod, Um, short stacks, which is what we call our pod was, um, you know, was led by an amazing educator, beloved by children, um, Lolly Larissa Hopwood. She was our kids teacher for a year. They went on countless adventures. You know, they learned their alphabet and everything else that you learn as a kindergartner, but they had so much fun doing it. And one of their projects was to incubate duck eggs. So these five children did a great job hatching these ducklings and usually <laughs> after this you know these types of projects you return everything back to the farm well we kept the ducks yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is cool that is how we became a duck family i did a lot of research to make that decision, I highly recommend it. It is not one to be made lightly. Um, ducks are very messy; they produce countless amounts of waste.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> um. So you have to be very comfortable with poop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um. And you know they can live. They live long time. They they can live up to twenty years. Oh wow! So this was definitely, um, you know, this was quite the venture and
2: considered decision. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I can't
1: imagine my life
2: without them now.
1: Oh my gosh! I, I really
2: that, love that. I think so that I need there's something about doing your <laughs> Yeah. I think there's something about animals too as a way to remind you that whatever stresses you encountered in the day that day you know there's just another world out there with another reality and another set of beings and I don't know there's something about animals that just does
0: I so agree with you and I will just tell you that I always my faith in humanity is often restored by (laughs) watching a person bend down and pick up their dog's poop I, the, my kids will tell you that I, I always look at and I react with fondness and I say, look at that. They don't need that in their lives. <laughs> we ask for that and then we serve our animals and it's just very restorative. I feel that way about Christmas lights. I always think you don't need that bill, <laughs> but you're putting all these lights on your house and I don't know, there's something that just makes me feel happy that people kind of extend themselves in that way. So, and you have extra poop that you're picking up. So I have extra kudos to you, Heidi. <laughs> um, so when you get up in the morning and when you, no matter what it is that you're doing, whether you're doing art or taking care of your ducks or working on immigration rights or, you know, in business, um, do you have like a morning ritual or an overriding purpose that colors all aspects of your life or some kind of way to stay on track in your life? Do
1: either of you do anything like that? Um, hmm, I'll start. So I would love my ideal morning routine would be, you know, wake up, um, maybe do some stretching, maybe five minutes of meditation, maybe just kind of taking that pause, that time to connect before hitting the ground running. Um, In reality, (laughs) in reality, my son wakes me up at 6.30 every morning, you know, with mom and I head downstairs um, and I have a glass of water and I make my coffee and, um, and that in itself has become a morning routine for me. Mm-hmm. And I sit, I have my, my, my spot on the couch mm-hmm. where I can sit. Drink my coffee, stare out of my window, and just um, enjoy the view. Yeah. Um, Yeah. One day I might do the other stuff.
2: So here's the (laughs) thing. Here's the thing. I hope this gives you hope.
1: That day is not today.
2: Because when my (laughs) kids were little, my day started very much like yours, right? And that in itself becomes your purpose, right? It's (laughs) serving these little beings, getting your family out the door in, you know, without, without tears with, you know, having them look forward to their day, everybody organized, the laundry is done, people's clothes look, you know, whatever, like that becomes your purpose, yeah? Um, So my kids have both graduated college at this point. And um, yeah, Um, and my day starts with going downstairs, downstairs. making a cup of tea. I will make a conscious choice on certain days, whether to listen to the news or not, because there's some days where um, I feel like I just need space from it. And I keep up with things in a great level of detail, but there are days where I decide that that's not what I want in the morning. Um, and then there is with very few days that are an exception, there is a half an hour, 20 minutes to a half an hour of yoga. And then I sit down at my computer because I work remotely. So it can happen. There's hope There's- will happen one day. <laughs> it's just not right now. <laughs> so. Right. Five
0: is pretty exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you were given a magic wand, but you could only change one thing, and somebody said, you can make this impact on the world, this one thing, you can either force everybody to, you know, it could be read a book, or this is the new law, or this is the way we do things. Um, If you had, a magic wand off the top of your head because I know it could change in 10 minutes.
2: What would you do? Does it have to be something that's actually real? No, it doesn't have <laughs> to be possible. <laughs> it doesn't even have
0: to be, you know, <clears throat> like I always expect something grandiose. And then somebody said, I would make
2: my house clean every day. And I was like, well, you know what? <laughs> Oh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> so I, because that's good to know. Because I, the thing that came to mind immediately hmm. was, I would remove fear. Oh, hmm. nice. Because I think fear is at the root of evil. Yes. I think that people seek power because they're afraid and insecure. I think people um, judge others and hmm. and um, make people the other because they're afraid. I think that people try to get one up on somebody else because they're afraid. I think people, I think people do things to protect themselves because of real or perceived threats. And if we removed fear, I feel like people could move forward in a much more gracious way than we do right now.
1: I love it. And I'm going to, okay, I'm going to piggyback on exactly what you just said. I would instill what's the opposite of fear? Like faith, love. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just kind of make everyone <laughs> happier. and less yeah. You know, I think that, I think that what you said is so, is so on point. And I, I, I think that a lot does stem from fear and what can replace that fear. And it would be love or faith, faith in humanity, right? Faith and trust in your, um, in others.
2: Yeah. Um, And it's why we're so exploitable, right? When people tap into our fear, um, it's how they can get us to be our lesser selves.
0: Yeah, I was thinking that too.
2: Yeah, and we see a lot of disinformation that preys on that. And we see how that corrupts our public dialogue. Um, You know, because when you ask the question, I started thinking, well, if there was one law, I could change, or if there's Hmm. one book I could make everyone read or whatever. But none of those things get at the root. (laughs) And what's the root? I mean, the root is people are afraid of something that's why they behave badly a hundred percent it's
0: why logic doesn't do it sometimes you think oh well if I explain this but it's logic doesn't address fear and yeah I I mean I remember when my daughter my youngest was in kindergarten she was so afraid I think it was kindergarten to go in and I always try to appeal to her logic (laughs) (laughs) which I don't know if you guys have tried that (laughs) I have tried that. We've all tried that, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> it doesn't. And so I, I love that, Leslie. And I think I'm probably getting it wrong, but I feel like Eli Wiesel said that the opposite of fear is love, or the opposite of love is not hate, it is fear. Justice.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, bringing it back to immigration, here, here's here's where, here's a perfect example. So people will say things like, why don't people do it? through our system and you can explain to them that our system is completely broken and that even if you go through the system, your chances of getting in particularly if you're from um, Mexico or Central America are, are very slim. They can say, well, my my family did it a certain way and you can explain to them that there were no immigration laws back then. Basically right. you up oh and gosh. you were coughing when you got to Ellis Island, you got in. There was really nothing more to it. Right. So you can, you can present these facts it doesn't change people's mind about immigration. Right. And it doesn't change their mind because they're afraid of the other and they're afraid of the other because they, it's what you said earlier, Amanda, because they don't know anybody because right. they don't, they haven't heard people's stories. They don't, they don't, they haven't, they haven't seen the commonality that they have with this young man who works in the pizza place up the street from them and, and what do they have in common with him them they haven't figured that out yet so the emotional connection hasn't been made and I think that's what it's all about is just
1: being exposed you know breaking down that fear having those conversations learning um learning new things being open to learning about I mean something so something I really value is having a global perspective i know that we sometimes feel like we might live in a bubble um i want to burst that bubble i want us all to be exposed to the beauty in the other Mm -hmm. because there's so much and there are so many commonalities i mean it's just it's um it's astounding once you really open your eyes, listen with your ears, you know, just those um those introductions being made and those connections that take place. I think that's what it's all about. And empowering people to take action. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's where the change can happen. Yeah. Um yeah. yeah. And um, I have, you're
0: reminding me, I have a friend who always says one of the secrets to ending racism is to look at who you're breaking bread with. He always says that. Who's sitting around your table? Who are you eating with? You know, and if they all look exactly the same as you, that's that's probably a challenge. Um, What are your hopes for the Immigration Rights Office? It's Um, What is the proper title, Immigration Rights? Immigrant Rights Action is the name, yes, the proper name of the organization. Of the organization, Immigrant Rights Action. So what are your hopes and expectations (laughs) for it?
1: (laughs) Well, my hope is that we um, become known not, not just Within the immigrant community, but within our community as a whole, I want us to, I want people to see the value in what we're doing and to want to support, to join us, to take small actions that build toward this vision of um of a of a you know this vision of of a community that we have where mm-hmm. our neighbors are learning from each other where no one is invisible or dismissed but valued for what they contribute and the assets they bring to our to our society um You know, I think the pandemic, one thing it has taught me is that we really are all in it together. It's not about, it's not about um, uh, taking stances on these divided lines. I think it's about a shared experience and how we can come together to better our society. Um, so immigrant rights action, um, you know, I want to shout it from like the rooftop. This is who we are. This is what we do. This is where we are. We're at, we're not hiding. We're not in the shadows. We are in the spotlight. <laughs> That's great. And we're here and to you
0: help. Know, what
1: you're making me think too,
0: is because I just had, I I just Was speaking with some leaders in the justice system in in our county. And, you know, Leslie, you talked about fear, but really it feels like you're building a safer community. That's what I am feeling. You're building a safer community for all of us. And, you know, any neighbors that are taken by ICE or by anyone um, without due process, that's a threat. That's a threat to me in my community. I feel that, so I feel like what you're doing is really um, a beautiful, powerful way of making our community safer. P.S. I seem to have a problem saying the word "community," <laughs> and I just want to point that out. If you're hearing it, I realize it. <laughs> Can't explain it, <laughs> um, but but that's great, and um what I can do when I um, put the information about this podcast is I can put a website, if you would like, and that way people who want to take some sort of next step or a next action, you know,
2: Um,
0: or is there no website?
2: Well, so the website is something that we're um, in the process of revising. And I think we want to make it much more um, informative about our services. And I think we want to make it a little easier to interact with um, so maybe there would be a way to post um, oh, oh well we, we I, could I, maybe set up an email that they could send if they wanted to get information and then we can email them back and or uh-huh. we could give an um, a link to our PayPal page if and people want I to donate. I do want to announce also we are
1: becoming Facebook official.
2: Yes. Oh, great.
1: So um, there be, our so,
2: Facebook page might yeah, be official. I to think
1: go. I think because uh, you know, and maybe at the core of this was also some fear. It was the it was it was the um, uh, the era of you know, at the time where this issue was very um, partisan, right? Very divisive. I don't see it that way at all. No, I don't either, this
0: but is, I think that it that's, hasn't
2: been historically it, it <laughs> has been exploited in recent political discourse, but there were Republicans like Bush senior that's and Reagan scary. who we're much more supportive of immigration reform than um, even some Democrats now. So um, it has been exploited as an issue to divide us as a community for sure. And part of the reason we kept our light under a bushel so to speak in the early days is we had ICE showing up in places that they had never shown up before. They were showing up at courthouses when people went to uh, pay parking tickets or, um, they were showing up at hospitals. They were showing up at schools. They were showing up at places that typically uh, and in the past had been safe spaces, um, and were no longer. And so that's wow. part of the reason that kind of we've been off social media and very quiet about our organization. But yeah, I think almost Heidi under the radar. And yeah. I
1: think that it's time, you know, for us to we're we're kind of we're rebranding. Yeah. Right. We're changing that narrative. Yeah. Um, because what it boils down to for me is the common good of our society, the ability to economically develop and thrive as a community. We need immigrants.
2: Yeah,
1: there is no doubt about that. Um,
2: so, so, yeah, so we are. We're in the process of working on the website. So I think yes. Facebook page would be a great place to send so we're, people for we're now. We're launching
1: our Facebook page. We're, we're going to have a revamped website. We've got, um, you know, we're just, it's, there's a wonderful um, momentum yeah. yeah, behind what we're doing. And, you know, yeah, it, I think it's just, it's really all exciting. in, it's exciting. Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 And what you're reminding me of, too, as we're talking, is that I sh- am sure that back in the day, a lot of organizations that we deal with that deal with like alcoholism and substance abuse probably formed and it was like very quiet. And we don't want to really talk about it because there's like this weird shame attached. Fear and shame are like cousins or something. They are. And um, I think that. You know, I go back to when um, like Betty Ford or somebody came out and said, you know what, guess what? This is my situation. So sometimes um, they things that are really important to our community and vital, and we wouldn't dream of having a community without them start like that. And then just like, you know, hopefully like just a snowball, you know, just gathers girth and speed and weight. So good for you both. I'm so impressed. I think the more people that who hear about it will be impressed. People who are afraid of it will learn not to be afraid of it or or not. And you know, we'll just <laughs> have to keep on moving regardless. Because you're right, a community that is limits is is filled with fear is just limiting itself. And we want to be a growing, thriving, vibrant community. And this can be one of those many. Beautiful organizations that that help us to be that. So I appreciate both of you
2: and your role. Thank you. In that. Thank yes. you. Thank Were you for sh- giving sh- us time to share this experience with you. And yeah, with we listeners.
1: appreciate you. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Thank you. <laughs> hey,
0: thanks for listening. And thanks to show advisor Roseanne Griffiths to the talented Bill Aronson who wrote, produced, and performed the Soulful Connections theme song. Thank you to my friends and family who give me super feedback each show, and I would love to hear feedback and thoughts from you. You can do that by sending an email to soulfullife@gmail.com. That's S, like solar, O-L-F-U-L, L-I-F-E at gmail.com. Thanks for connecting.